Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. Hopefully, this will inspire you to discuss more, to travel more, and enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms, including, of course, my website at theprofessortravel.com, but you can also reach me on YouTube, Facebook, and now on TikTok at theprofessortravel. If you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're a Twitter -er -er -er, I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. Uh, you can find me there at the professor tr1. And then finally, if you're a blogger, you can find me on blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am so very excited to be interviewing a very kind friend of mine, Ishan Gokal. Hi, Ishan. How are you doing today? Hi, Scott. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. I really appreciate it. Um, now, before we get started, this picture that's up on our screen here um, is a picture for, uh, for those who are listening to the podcast. It's a picture of Ishan in a pile of snow with a penguin right in front of him. Can, can you tell us really quickly before we get into your credentials a little bit more about this picture that you took or had taken? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting photo of uh, not just this photo itself, but what happened before and after this photo was taken. Um, so this is uh, on the Antarctic continent as opposed to one of the islands uh, that are outside Antarctica. Uh, it was my first landing of Antarctica on this voyage, uh, second trip, but first landing on the second trip. And uh, yeah, as you can see, blue, blue skies, clear sky, uh, beautiful day, and... Uh, we visited this, uh, they're called Adelie penguins, this particular species of penguins. Mm -hmm. So we visited this colony of Adelie penguins. And, you know, we are not allowed to really approach the penguins. So uh, the guides, we had lots of guides on, you know, on our expedition. And they told us, just sit down. And if you sit down, you're kind of less threatening to the penguins and they will come to you. Um, so this one approached me. Uh, there was another penguin just before this who also came up to me and for some reason he looked at my blue pants over there and he started chewing on my pants <laughs> I, I don't know I might have had some fish guts on my pants or something I don't know um, and I actually took a video of that too. I have a video of it. Uh, it's very interesting. And I kind of screamed out in that video, like, don't eat my pants. You know, <laughs> you, know you don't really think of penguins as being this ferocious bird. So, I mean, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that kind of became like a catchphrase kind of thing between some of the friends I made on the ship. Don't eat my um, pants. Uh, <laughs> so they, they would tease me about that later on. Oh, that sounds like uh, you and, had a good and time, though. A few minutes after this photo was taken, uh, as you can see, it's perfect weather right now. And here's Antarctica for you, or any polar region, really. Uh, weather can change in an instant. 
And immediately after this, there was a strong storm that was coming in and uh, the snow started blowing. It was like not a good time to be there. Uh, all the guides came up to us and say, hey, let's go. We, we got to get out of here. And uh, uh, we were all told to just stand up, start walking towards the basically the embarkation area for the for the Zodiac uh, boats to come pick us up and take us back to the ship. Okay. And uh, while we were walking, the winds were like behind my back, you know, and they were fast winds. Like I was sliding on the snow. Uh, so that's just like a, a lesson in you know don't. <laughs> When they say to do something, do it now, especially when yeah, you're there. Yeah, um, uh, and, as, and as you alluded to, this whole vlog and podcast is going to be talking about the 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 continent of Antarctica, where you've actually gone a couple of times. But before we even get into the that, and I'm I'm so eager to learn all about it. Talk to us a little bit about some of your credentials. Uh, maybe just a little bit, of, just a snapshot about your education. But uh, you've obviously traveled a lot of places. So can you go into that really fast? Yeah. Uh, so my education has basically been my travels. Uh, I like to say that uh, travel is a great teacher, and you know I, I've been traveling uh, on my own basically since uh, 1994. Uh, every chance I got, I was always out somewhere, long weekends, irregular weekends, um, over the holidays, Christmas, New Year, Thanksgiving, all the long vacations. Uh, I, I was always traveling, either a road trip or a flying trip somewhere in the world. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and, if, and in fact, um, we were talking just recently about like, cause I'm, I'm keeping track of my countries that I've mm -hmm, been to just mm -hmm. because I want to, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a goal of mine to kind of track them and kind of right. figure out how many I've been to. And I said, I've been to 23 and you're like, hold my coffee. Let me, I, I did not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're friends. I would never uh, say that. Uh, and by the way, Ishan and myself, we went to grade school together, so mm -hmm. I can I can make funny comments like that. Uh, but you've been to a lot of countries. You'd say at when you stopped counting, it was at least over 50? Yeah. Uh, New Zealand was number 50. I remember that. Uh, and then I figured, like, uh, you know, the world, world is a big place. There's no real point to uh, not, not to, you know, lessen your test. <laughs> Uh, there's really, I mean, there's so much to see and do in the world. It's, it's, you know, where do you stop, right? It's yeah. a lifelong process. Well, I think we stop um, when there's a pandemic uh, going on, unfortunately. Uh, that kind uh, yeah. of sidelines us. So, but apart from that, I'll eventually catch up. I'm hoping. Yeah. So, wish me luck on that. Uh, <laughs> now, you obviously made the choice to go to Antarctica, and Antarctica is not its own country, but it is its no. own continent, and it's a Providence. That's I think. Um, yeah, it's, nobody it's, owns it. I don't think. Right, nobody owns it. Um, I don't remember when it was signed, but there was a treaty that was signed among all the nations in the world, almost all, uh, that uh, said that Antarctica should never be, never belong to any one country, you know, or any group of countries for that matter. So it, it's meant to be preserved as it is. There are lots of science expeditions from practically every country uh, that has the means to go there and can set up bases over there. Um, uh, but otherwise, it's it's a pristine, like it's you know, there's no human uh, uh, encroachment on the whole continent anymore. There used to be about 100 years ago, not anymore. I've seen some of those like um, huts that were there at one point that have been preserved in time almost. Yes, they are. There are. We saw a couple of them. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, there, there were uh, whaling stations that were there. Uh, 
like more than 100 years ago, uh, right around the time of uh, Sir Shackleton and his uh, expeditions. Mm-hmm. So when you're planning a trip like this, because you can't very, there's not like a bunch of cruises that head over to Antarctica. It's not exactly something you just go, oh, this weekend, I think I'll make a choice to go to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. not like that. It needs a lot of planning, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the planning stage. How long in advance did you decide, okay, I'm going to do this. Here's what I need to start as far as the planning stage. How, what, what was the timeframes on this? I'm like, uh, I have to be honest with you. It's always been on my mind. Uh, like any other place in the world, it's always on my mind. Um, <laughs> Uh, the thing is, I've been start. I seriously started looking at it uh, back in uh, around 2003, 2004, when I started traveling internationally for the first time. I was saying, "Hey, why not Antarctica?" And it was too expensive. I mean, it is very, very expensive to go there. And every year, I st- kept looking, kept looking for different companies, different voyages that go there. Uh, and the prices just keep going up every year. <laughs> like, uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, when I first started, it was around like four or five thousand dollars for one person, single cabin. Um, and it just, you know, next year I see it's, oh, it's now 5,000, it's now 7,000, 10,000, you know, it just kept going up and up. And even now I'm looking, uh, you know, for next year, um, it's still way up there. I mean, uh, for a single cabin on a trip, the the kind of trip that I took, uh, which was uh, around three weeks, uh, this, this second trip, I mean, the second photo that you see there, Mm -hmm. um, uh, for a three-week-long trip, the prices are, you know, approaching like twenty thousand dollars or even more for one person. So it is very expensive to go. Yeah. Um, so you do need to save, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's three weeks. You're talking like more than thousand dollars a day on the average, right? So you have to save up for it for a long time if you're not independently wealthy. Um, I, was gonna, I was gonna actually ask you: Did you, when you were starting to plan this out, did you start to look at okay, well, if I leave from South America, it's going to cost this much, versus if I leave from Africa or Australia? Yeah, well, I I looked much. at it briefly, and then I yeah, I looked at it briefly. I realized they're all the same because okay. it would cost me money to fly to uh, you know New Zealand or wherever, right? Uh, where yeah. the other trips leave from. Um, so. I was like, okay, you know, South America was the closest point. That's where I left from. Okay, cool. And in terms of things to plan for in advance, uh, now, how do you get a visa for something like this? I mean, do you just use your passport or how does that work? Yeah. So fortunately, I'm a U.S. citizen. So uh, you you have to go to Brazil. Um, Most of the trips, they start from either... Uh, Ushuaia, that's a town in the southern tip of South America, in Argentina. Okay. Uh, so I flew, well, a couple of ways to do it. I flew to Argentina, but, you know, you can, the way the flights work, you can go through Brazil or wherever, you know, to get there. Um, so uh, you fly to Argentina. Argentina does not need a U.S., uh, it does not need a visa for U.S. citizens. Okay. Uh, so you can just go, it's like going to Europe or Canada. Um, and... Uh, there's another way to get there from Chile, which is, uh, you know, uh, the Chile trips are actually fly. You you fly to Antarctica either one way or both ways instead of taking a ship. Um, and uh, you basically fly to a Chilean Air Force, uh, sorry, not Air Force, but Chilean base over there, mm-hmm. a science base. Um, and... Uh, you know, then you can either take a ship from there or you can, you know, whatever. You, you yeah, but if the, weather's, if the weather's not cooperating. If the weather's you, not cooperating, you're stuck. Yeah. That would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let me ask you really quick, because I have 
you know, as I get older, I have some stomach ailments and I have things like that. In terms of travel medications, like how do you plan for something like that? And, and yeah. So let me tell you about myself too. Uh, I get seasick on boats. I cannot stand being on a ship like more than an hour on the open ocean. Okay. Um, I get very, <laughs> uh, like really bad seasick. Uh, so I obviously had a lot of Dramamine. I had uh, those kinds of medicines with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I got like crackers because they're supposed to absorb whatever stomach acids you have if you you know chew on crackers and stuff, uh, like saltine crackers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it really, it, you know, and there were other people on the ship that were, uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, they only could do gluten free, mm-hmm. you know, or veg- strict vegetarians, vegans, uh, you know, uh, kosher diet, you know. So the good thing was that the ship accommodated everyone, no matter what. Nice. Uh, so uh, you just had to tell them in advance that, hey, you know, I have these special diet restrictions and stuff, uh, and they will, they will, you know, take care of you. That's not at all an issue. Okay. Um, at least with the company that I went with. And I think it's true for all companies. Um, and uh, in terms of medication, you know, you've got to figure out yourself, like if you need, you know, how much medication you need for three weeks or whatever the length of the trip is. Uh, obviously, you know, as always, you should take some extras and whatever. Yeah, because there's not exactly a 7-Eleven uh, around the corner. No, for there you. is you not. <laughs> there is, you're down there. there is nothing like that <laughs> anywhere. Yeah, and especially like... Th- with unlike conventional cruises where it's maybe a week or two weeks, you're dealing with a, almost something that's three weeks to a month in some cases. So, in uh, well, well, they, they start with one week. Uh, oh, they a, do. Like, there's an introduction trip that is just seven days, and okay. that's actually the one I took first time. Um, and it simply wasn't enough for me, so I said I want to go again for three weeks. So, but when you're when you're looking at those longer vacations, and this goes out to my students that are watching right now, if you have a situation where you know that you're going to maybe you're prone to headaches or maybe you have stomach ailments you might want to bring you might want to just go to your local store get a pill carrier and bring with right. you like stomach things uh, right. headache that's, things right. that's true. yeah that's true anytime you go traveling anywhere in the world it doesn't really have to be antarctica although in antarctica as you said there are no 7-elevens there are no <laughs> Nothing like that. I'd wonder who would be manning them there. That would be kind of a tough thing. So, uh, although, although there is a post office, and I can talk about that later. Oh, really? Okay. Well, we're going to get into that in just a minute. But okay. let's talk about the prepacking process. Mm-hmm. What do you pack for? Let's and let's talk about the longer one. Um, like, what do you pack for something like this? How do you right. even prepare for some to go to a place where it's so cold that's much colder than any other place on the on the earth? Right. Uh, so. Yeah, you need a sweater or two. You need a jacket. Uh, uh, honestly, though, it's not that bad. Um, so, uh, could I pause for a minute? Sure, and I can of course. Get my jacket right yeah, now. Yeah, please go right ahead. Show us what you got. Yep. Wow. So that was my parka that they gave us. So they gave. Um, so they actually gave that to you. Yeah, it's it's covered in the cost of the trip. Uh, they oh, give nice. they give you that when you uh, come on board the ship. Uh, obviously, you have to tell them your size and all that beforehand, and you know they'll they'll have that for you. Okay. And they also gave us boots. Um, okay. So you have to tell your shoe size, boot size. They they provide you with boots on board. Uh, the the parka is mine to keep. Okay. Uh, 
What about the what about the blue pants that you had? Uh, no, that's mine. Those okay. are blue pants. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, that's why the, that's so, why the penguin was attracted to it because like, ooh, we don't get this. Uh, we don't exactly have a Macy's around the corner here. So <laughs> there you go. No, I'm um, just kidding. REI. That's what it would be. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, actually, that's where I got them from. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. Uh, See, I'm psychic <laughs> like that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So they gave you a parka. It has a nice fleece lining inside it. Uh, and you have your. I had uh, two jackets on top of that. Okay. Uh, are you restricted to a number of bags that you br- can bring with you? Uh, you are restricted to uh, the total uh, baggage. Now I forget if it was by weight or the number of pieces. Okay. Um, I forget what they said for that, but yeah. Um, but but honestly, like if you have one, uh, you know, uh, like a check-in size bag, like a normal check-in size bag for a person, mm-hmm. uh, plus. You know, one like backpack. You really need a backpack actually um, okay. for the excursions. Uh, that should be more than enough. I mean, you don't really need to like, you know, buy like hundred different sweaters and jackets and stuff like that. Because they give you this on top of everything else. Do they and, just do they just need like a smaller backpack, or could you, or do you need? Like, you a could. I actually had backpack. a travel. I actually had my um, uh, carry-on size bag, bag, uh, okay. roller bag. Um, so that was enough for me. Um, mo- some people prefer more. That's fine. But you really don't need that much more. Now, I also had my own gloves. Okay. Um, they, they told you to uh, get preferably waterproof gloves. Okay. Um, uh, and more than one layer of gloves because, you know, the wind is just horrible if it gets windy and cold. Uh, so a couple of layers of gloves. Couple of, um, I had a hat, like a face covering. Mm-hmm. Um I had earmuffs, uh, like for actually that was part of my cap over there. Um, they had like flaps that go over your ear. Okay. Uh, and that's just me because it does. It, it varies from person to person. I get really cold in, when I'm out in freezing temperatures. So. No, and I I remember like I moved to New Jersey a couple of years ago, and I remember walking through the streets of New York early on, and I was. I, I, I didn't have gloves. I didn't have a face covering. I didn't have earmuffs. And I was like, oh, well, how different? You know, those are just fashion accessories. Why would I need those? No. If you're <laughs> you in your cold weather, you need them. They're yeah. really, really helpful. So yeah. I absolutely understand. And layering, very mm-hmm. important also. Layering is critical. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there were times when I was taking off my parka, it was hot. It was actually about really hot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, Did they have laundry facilities on the ship? Uh, on the ship, yes, they do. Okay. Uh, they charge you like a, like a what a hotel would charge you. Okay. You know, but they do have it. Okay. Um, um, also, also one key thing is uh, waterproof pants. So, uh, ski pants, for example, what I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need them to be waterproof. That's absolutely critical, and they actually won't even let you on board the ship if you don't have the waterproof pants. Because you could, like, seriously get hypothermia if you don't, like, yeah. if you're not dressed properly. So yeah, oh, and also there are times when, like, I can talk about this later too. But uh, you know, when you're going for these landings, there are times when you have to get into the water. Mm-hmm. You know, you you go on a Zodiac boat, which is like a small rubber, you know, uh, motorboat, and you go, you take that from the ship, which is anchored off the off the coast. Uh, you take that zodiac onto the land. Okay. Uh, and there are times when you have to get in the water, uh, and walk through the water to get get to the land. You know, to the beach. Uh, so you absolutely you must have waterproof pants, otherwise they won't even let you on. 
And that's more of a safety issue and liability issue on their part, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So, okay. So those are a couple of things. And then I imagine the rest of what you're packing is going to be appropriate for your your preliminary destination like Brazil or, or Argentina. Yeah. It's, it's, right. it's normal clothing at that point. Right, normal, right. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the way that you got there. Now, which airport did you leave out of in order to, to make your... So I flew place? out of San Francisco. I live in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, and basically, uh, I also have American Airlines uh, frequent flyer mileage. Okay, perfect. So I use that for a nice business class seat and bed and everything. <laughs> I was going to ask, um, before we get onto the flight, though, did you mm-hmm. actually, did you just take like an Uber up to the airport? Did you park your car there for an uh, extended no, if I remember, No, no, no. If I remember correctly, uh, I think my brother dropped me off. My brother also lives nearby. Okay, perfect. Uh, so... So that's not uh, yeah. a, that's not a problem. Um, yeah, and I mean, tr- whatever. People go to the airport lots of different ways, so you could take over whatever. Okay. Um, so the flight itself, mm-hmm. American Airlines. So American Airlines flew to uh, well, they go to either Dallas or Miami. That's their hubs for going to South America. Okay. Um, and then from either Dallas or Miami, they uh, fly to Buenos Aires, which is where I went. And what's the length of the time between? So uh, San Francisco to Miami is five hours. To Dallas is like three and a half, four hours. Okay. And from either of those two cities to Buenos Aires is roughly between like eight to 10 hours, something like that. Okay. So it's a pretty lengthy uh, trip, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then uh, how was the service on your flight? Well, uh, so I had a (laughs) (laughs) nice upgrade. Yeah. uh, So I booked it with my miles. So I had a very nice experience on board. Uh, It would not be the same in coach. I can tell you that. Yeah. I've, uh, we've, we've done, we've done the coach flights that have been very long. I didn't, I didn't really Mm -hmm. like that. And then we've done the more. Yeah. I've gone like uh, 16 hours in coach in American Airlines, Hong Kong to Dallas. Yeah. So. That was not fun. Yeah, I think I think I think most of my money when I'm traveling is probably going towards really getting good airfare as opposed to like I'll stay in a smaller like I'll stay in a three star hotel when I go in some places mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. I'll upgrade to a, a better room at a three star hotel as mm-hmm. opposed to just purchasing a five star hotel. Mm-hmm. So that's just my strategy. I don't know yeah. if you yeah t- it works. Yep. Okay, yep. so you're on the same mindset on that. Yeah. Okay. Especially if you're, you know, the member of their clubs and all that. The exactly. Frequent, frequent traveler things. Oh, by the way, did you have the opportunity to um, to use any of the facilities at the airports in terms of like the clubs or anything like that? Uh, I do have that also. I have okay. that access. Um, and uh, actually also since I was flying business class, that would also have given me the access anyway, regardless. Okay, perfect. Um, so you have this long flight um, to Buenos Aires and uh, talk to me a little bit about, we'll just talk a little snippet about Buenos Aires and how, how your time was there. How long were you in Buenos Aires for? Uh, just one night. Just, just one night. Just one night. So uh, the uh, company, this company had arranged the hotel, like it, it, all you had to do is book the ticket to Buenos Aires. You just had to get there. Okay. And from that point on, everything was taken care of, like all your accommodation, transportation, everything. Wow. Okay. Uh, so including transfers so, from the airport? Yeah. Okay. Uh, nice. I'm sorry. No, no. Transfer from the hotel to the airport, not airport to hotel. Okay. Got because it. Because you'd arrive at different times and whatnot. Okay. So, um, so, you know, I just had to get to the hotel, which is fine. In Buenos Aires, they have a uh, airport bus that takes you into the city. Okay. Um, I do not want to take taxi cabs like that over there. So I had mapped it out on, you know, nowadays we have Google Maps and stuff, you know, back in the old days, we didn't have any of that. So (laughs) um, I had mapped it out. Yeah, I want to stay in this hotel. Um, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. 
uh, earlier I said I was there for one night. I was actually there two nights. Okay. Uh, so so that, at least gives you a little night. bit of time to go out and do some stuff while you're there. Right. Well, I mean, I'd been before, so. But okay. anyway, my, my first night was on my own. Uh, so I booked the hotel myself, and I, you know, they had the uh, cruise ship had booked another hotel in the city, in downtown. Okay. Um, so I went to my first night in the hotel, uh, stayed there. Uh, that I had looked up, you know, there's a bus from the airport that takes you right in front of the hotel stop. And that hotel was like an, about a mile and a half from the where the cruise ship hotel was going to be. Mm. Uh, so I was like, hey, this, this works. It's perfect. So, you know, <laughs> I just stayed there. Next morning, I, I had no intention of doing any sightseeing in Buenos Aires. I'd been there before. Okay. So just take it easy. Check out at noon. You know, just kind of be chill. Don't yeah, stress it. Don't, don't, stress don't, it. Don't, don't cut it close. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a stressful trip for the next three weeks. So just, you know, go to the hotel, relax, you know. So they pick you up from the hotel. They take you over to the docks. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about the ship. What can you tell me about the ship? And so the ship is not like one of these huge cruise ships that normally they have in the Caribbean and other places like that. Uh, it's actually, uh, there were only 200 passengers total, and even that was big size for Antarctica. Okay. Um, and uh, a crew of, uh, actually, I don't remember the crew size, but the, uh, so there's there's two, two uh, companies involved here. One is the ship, actual ship company that owns the ship, and one is uh, the company I went with for the Antarctica trip that is called Quark Expeditions. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, and yeah, okay. So they have their own crew. They have their own guides and everyone who's planning the actual trip, right? Where should we go and when and all that. Um, and, you know, then there's the ship, uh, like hotel facilities on the ship and the housekeeping staff and bar staff and restaurant staff. And so, obviously the crew of the ship who are, you know, the captain. cook. And so, like so let me ask you this. Does Quark basically lease the ship or is it? They do for this one. Yeah, okay. they, they did for this one. Uh, nowadays, I'm hearing that they actually have their own ship. Okay. Um, so it's also very, very expensive. But <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> um, in um, fact, do you want to, like, as we get into talking about the itinerary and what and mm-hmm. what your and what your pathway was going to go, did you want to take over the screen for just a second in order to show us a little bit about that? Uh, about the ship, you mean? Yeah, uh, or not just about the ship, but in terms of like what your what your itinerary was going to look like, and in terms of also what the path that you're going to be taking down to Antarctica is going. Sure, to sure. So let me show you the itinerary. Actually, let me show you the uh, voyage map. They gave us a at the end of the trip. They gave us these uh, PDFs of uh, everything that we did on board. Uh, so let me share my screen here. Sure, go right ahead. Is that good? Oh, yeah, perfect. That's a great-looking map. So we basically left from here. Uh, This is the town of Ushuaia, uh, Argentina. Okay, so that's Uh, the southern tip for the the people on the podcast as well that are listening. Yeah. Uh, So it's the southernmost city in the world. That's another, like, travel bucket list item for you to check mark. And um, all the Antarctica sailings go from there. Uh, okay. From South America, from from Argentina. I'm sorry, not South America, from Argentina. Uh, and this is basically these islands that you see over here are Patagonia, 
you know, the Torres del Paine, their famous uh, uh, mountains over there, mm -hmm. uh, glaciers, mountains. Uh, so we sailed from here, and first our stop was Falkland Islands. Okay. Uh, and you can see the dates, like that's how long it took to get there. You know, we, it was a New Year's Eve sailing. Yeah, nice that's, that, what a little bonus there. That's kind of nice too. So that's uh, another thing you get to do is sail you know, during the New Year's time. Right, right. Cool. So uh, first time in my entire life, I was not on land on a New Year's Eve. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, we had a nice New Year's Eve party on board. Uh, we got to meet the other travelers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, made some friends that very night that I stuck with for the whole voyage after that. So, so I was nice. going to ask you really quick, are the Falkland Islands actually independently owned or are they a part of Argentina? No, no they're, they're part of United Kingdom. Oh, they're part of the United Kingdom. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they won the war in, what was it, 82, 83, something like that. Okay. Uh, so, but, you know, Argentina also has its own claim on them and England has its own claim as all politics. Um, so uh, we had a couple of stops in the Falkland Islands uh, on the second day. Uh, this on the third of January you here. Oops, third of January here. That's a town called Stanley. It's the capital of Falkland Islands. Okay. And that was the only town that we really went to, like a you know what you can call a city, uh, even though it's not a city by. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little town. <laughs> yeah, it's a little town. They, they do have some population. That is the capital of the Falkland Islands, so they have like government buildings and stuff like that. And a post office, uh, I'm sure. Hopefully. And a post office, <laughs> uh, restaurants, and things like that. So we we spent oh. some time in Stanley, just walking around, uh, and then we sailed across to South Georgia. Now South Georgia is. Uh, officially part of Antarctica continent. Okay. Uh, uh, so there's this thing called, uh, it's kind of abstract really, it's called the Antarctic Convergence Zone. Okay. And it's basically the uh, what differentiates, for example, the Atlantic Ocean over here to the Southern Ocean that borders Antarctica. Down okay. Here. Uh, and it's uh, two different ecosystems entirely. Uh, like uh, there's, there's a kind of a, you know, a biological borderline between the two. Okay. Um, and uh, it's all around Antarctica, so that's what they've defined as the uh, official border of Antarctica. Uh, so South Georgia falls within that. Uh, and it is a wildlife uh, heaven. Uh, if you like wildlife as much mm -hmm. as I do. Yeah. Uh, there are penguins, there are whales, there are seal, there are fur seals, all kinds of seals, actually, many kinds of seals. Uh, uh, elephant seals are there, uh, all kinds of birds that come over there to nest, uh, albatross species, uh, petrels. Uh, it, it's just a paradise, wildlife paradise. Nice. And you spent um, three days there? We spent three days there, which was actually uh, not part of the plan. So here's the other thing about any Antarctica voyage is that the plan can change on a moment's notice. Depending and upon the weather, I imagine. Depends, depending on a lot of different factors. Mm. Uh, so we actually, un unfortunately, we had a guy on board the ship who uh, got injured in one of our excursions over there. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so uh, I I don't really know the details of that. They didn't tell us all the details. Uh, but he needed to go to a hospital. Oh, gosh. And there are no hospitals over there. Uh, the only hospital is back on the mainland in Argentina or Chile. So now we are already out, like a whole week out from out from the you know start of the trip and this guy needs to go to a hospital so yeah. what do you do right uh, uh, 
So the captain and the cruise director, basically our trip planner director, uh, they got together, they decided, okay, so we're gonna sail on over here to the spot you see here, number 12, uh, sorry, number 11 spot over here. Uh, that's where the Chilean base is. Uh, and they have an airfield, and we're gonna do an emergency evacuation from that airfield back to the mainland in uh, Punta Arenas, Chile. That's but, that's, city. but that's still a few days off. So yeah, I mean, still a few I'm, days off, but but notice it's like from the 8th to the 11th versus one whole, more than a week, like eight days over there, right? To come, what we had coming in, it was eight full days from here to there is just three days, four days. Yeah. Right, so, uh, and also that would be on regular voyage, you know, anyway. So let me stop you there for just one second, because around where day 10 is, it looks like you guys have an island called South Orkney Island that's right. there. Did you there guys are lots of islands. I was going to say, did you guys intentionally skip that in order to get over to no. the day? Okay, so. No. Well, actually, I, I honestly don't know, uh, okay. but no, we did, we did skip it. Uh, it. I don't know if we, they had actually planned to go there or not. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, but we did get to enjoy South Georgia for a good three, four days. Now, uh, I don't know if you've seen any uh, wildlife documentaries like National Geographic documentaries with uh, David Attenborough and those guys, kind of guys. Of course. Right? How could you not? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's uh, a legend. So, uh, they have a lot of um, filming done in South Georgia. Okay. Uh, so South Georgia has uh, two of the lar largest uh, king penguin colonies in the world. Uh, and those things can get huge. They can get like three, four feet tall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, up to three feet, I think. Uh, or four feet, maybe. Um, and uh, those, their numbers are tremendous over there. They, they have one colony, uh, which <laughs> depending on who you ask, you get different numbers of how many king penguins there are. You know? <laughs> Uh, anywhere from half a million to one million to even up to two million, I've heard. Um, and the way they count them is by counting like mating pairs. Uh, so mating pairs could mean must mean that they're adults, number one. But it could mean that they already have a chick or they don't have a chick or they have more than one chick. Uh, the chicks are not counted. They are not mating. Okay. Um, so uh, it's actually, you know, they don't even know how many individual members there are in the colony. But do they do a sample uh, size? I guess there's yeah, they do a sample, sample size. They say yeah. anywhere between half, but the sample size is like that, right? Yeah. Anywhere between half a million up to two million is the biggest number that I've heard. Okay. So, uh, Still very sizable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I remember looking at it and it, it's a place called St. Andrews Bay and there's another one called um, uh, uh, Salisbury, Salisbury Plain. Okay. Uh, so there are these two different colonies. And I remember looking at it because we're not allowed to interact with the penguins, like I said earlier, right? Yeah, so it's a very protected situation. Right, exactly. So they can come to us, but we cannot go to them. So, you know, we have to maintain our distance, but you look at it and there's like a mountain and you can see all these tuxedos on the mountains, you know, slope. So it's like filled with whole, all of these. Very nests. formal presentation with the penguins coming, all dressed up in their finest, you know, that's great. Uh, it's just incredible, incredible sight and smell, unfortunately, also. Yeah, I've heard about, I heard penguins are not the, you know, um, best grooming, so. But, but you kind of get used to that. Um, yeah. And then, of course, like you see, we proceeded southward uh, now from uh, from this uh, base that uh, gentleman and his wife, they were evacuated. They went back to Chile, flew back, and the rest of us continued our ship, you know, journey down south. Uh, 
the number 1760th also, I think, is south of the Antarctic Circle. Okay. Uh, so, like, you have an Arctic Circle in the north, you know, Antarctic Circle in the south. Uh, so, south of there, the sun will not set during the month of December at all. It will not go below the horizon, right? So, you have 24 yes. hours daylight. And uh, you and I were chatting earlier about the uh, uh, aurora. Yeah, the southern aurora. Yep, the southern southern lights. Um, so, because the sun does not set, you do not get to see it. Oh, that's unfortunate. Sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. But uh, you know what? I would prefer to have a little bit of warmth from the sunlight than like <laughs> have my entire ship frozen. So that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the handoff there. Yeah. Uh, now, there are times... Now, South Georgia is not like that. South Georgia, the sun does set, and you do get you know, some nighttime minutes or hours during December. Okay. Uh, but... The, the fact is that it's always almost always cloudy. It's you know you don't have good visibility and stuff like that. So, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know we went down. There's this uh, I forgot the name of that island we went to, uh, but uh, there was a hut over there. One of the huts that you were describing. <laughs> Um, uh, and uh, also wildlife, uh, there were um, uh, gentoo penguins, uh, some seals uh, that we saw there, lots of whales everywhere. Whales were all over. Yeah, let me stop um, you for just one quick second, because for my students that are out there, for those of you who have not seen some of those documentaries, whether they were on National Geographic's or David Attenborough's uh, stuff through uh, a variety of different media, they have these huts that have been frozen quite literally in time where they have, you know, canned meat that's still on the shelf from the 1920s or something like that. So it's, and these people, I guess, just abandoned these places and they were like literally fraught, like frozen over in time. You know, when you have something like certain foods, they, I mean, obviously they're not edible anymore, but they're no, you never know. They've been frozen. <laughs> they may be good. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to eat that, like, that much <laughs> I, actually, freezer interesting, burn. Interesting. There was somebody, uh, there, just recently there was a news story about uh, someone who brought back a fruitcake from, from one of the Scott expedition or something like that to the South Pole. Uh, uh, he was the first person to go to the South Pole. And uh, the fruitcake was apparently edible. Uh, well, first off, fruitcake is never edible. So let's get, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> For all you people out there, out there who love fruitcake, I don't mean to offend you. I'm just not a fruitcake person, so please forgive me. Um, so, okay, so we're on this island. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, digress. Um, so we're on this island in the Antarctica, in the Antarctic Circle. Um, you're seeing these different places, uh, whether they're, you know, and... and I'm trying to figure out how how amazing that's got to be. Just oh, it's, I can't even begin to describe it. I mean, I have photos and videos, but it, you you have to be there. It's and it's not just the sights; it's everything. It's it's the feeling of being there, and you know, very 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 few people in the world uh, have been south of the Antarctic Circle. Uh, so it's kind of like a badge of honor in a way, um, um, and it it is. I mean, I can't even begin to describe how amazing it feels because there's there's the ice, there's the whole experience of just being out there with all, you're in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, um, You have the itinerary as well. To show yeah, us. I do. Yeah. I'd so be curious to see that. This is the voyage, but I have the itinerary here. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they're even giving you longitude and latitude on this specific yeah. printout uh, so here. This, right. So this was obviously done as as we were progressing. They recorded all this. Mm -hmm. uh, and Because uh, obviously it can change too. Yeah, yeah, it can change at a moment's notice. Okay. Um, and every day they had like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, depending on the weather, depending on anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Uh, this is just a sample now. Uh, the trip that anyone decides to take can vary greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what we did. Uh, and they recorded, you know, what is the point we went to, right? Each each landing. So that many days at sea, you can, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into the details, but, you know, that many days at sea, this is, these are the wildlife that we saw, uh, visits to this person's farmhouse, you know, they gave us cookies over there. That was Yay! Cookies. <laughs> Best cookies uh, in all of Antarctica, so there you go. <laughs> or just north, just north uh, of Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, Falkland Islands in that case. That's right. Um, so Port Stanley, that's the town I was telling you about, that's the capital of the Falklands. Uh, retail therapy for anyone. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad they have Not stores today, there to shop. Whatever. Seriously, though, they do have pharmacies over there. So if you forget some medicines or something like that, you know. You can, but I am glad that they do have like someplace, you know, because there's always, you're going to have people who want to bring home a souvenir of some sort. And you can't bring things back from Antarctica. No, you, you have to leave everything there. So the farthest south, if at least if there's something to say, hey, you know what, I've been here, apart mm -hmm. from just taking away your pictures, mm -hmm. maybe there's something that you can get there, whether it's a rock or something. <laughs> no, you cannot, you have you to take a rock with you. Okay, yeah, well, there you, you go. Take anything. No, but from the um, retail, from the retail place, whether it's like something that's sown. Oh, like, there, yes. Yeah, there, like, it's a I, I, like a regular shop, you know, whatever this help. Exactly. Um, uh, so then South Georgia, uh, we had history lessons on board all the time. We had a uh, actually a history professor on board. He was he was one of our guides. Excellent. Um, so they told us about the whaling that was going on over there at the turn of the century, last century. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a huge whaling uh, base over there. Uh, they, I don't want to well, I will say this word, they massacred like millions and millions of whales. Um, uh, and it was basically used for whale oil, you know, for blubber and everything. Now, uh, so uh, also in South Georgia is the gravesite of uh, Ernest Shackleton. Uh, Ernest Shackleton was a uh, famous Southern explorer. Also, you know, he was, he went a lot of places in the world. Uh, and uh, he was uh, in a competition with uh, Captain Scott to reach the South Pole, who would be the first person to reach the South Pole. Scott had already done it for the North Pole. Um, you know, they wanted to go both to the South Pole. And there's a uh, very famous uh, advertisement he had put out in the uh, London newspapers saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but more or less like, you know, men wanted, uh, uh, you know, you may die in this expedition. Uh, the return is not guaranteed. Wow, that's uh, a selling point. You Thanks. <laughs> you will Where you sign me up. Very well, my face to death. You, you'll have all kinds of, but I can promise you an adventure. So. Those were the times. So nowadays we just go on excursions. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones in that sense. I didn't have to do all that stuff. But they have you, they, um, the next day they had you toast at the Shackleton, at Shackleton's they grave. They did. They did. Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, and we actually had a whiskey toast at Shackleton's grave because he loved his whiskey. Apparently. Uh, 
kept him uh, warm. <laughs> uh, so Shackleton's grave is over there at uh, this place called Great Pecan. Okay. Uh, there's a whaling station, uh, you know, whole bunch of seals, a bunch of penguins, king penguins over there. Yeah. Um, uh, fur seals. Fur seals are vicious. They are scary. Uh, best to keep away from them. So but don't approach. Uh, oh, absolutely not. They are very territorial. They will attack you. They will bite you. Okay. Uh, and their bites are. They Highly could be deadly. Infectious. Theoretically, theoretically deadly. Some yeah. cases. Um, yeah. Uh, and of course, elephant seals are just humongous. So if they fall on you, you're you're, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it was incredible. I mean, we had our rules. You know, you have to stay away from them. You have to, you know, all these stuff. So um, we had to follow those rules. And the guides were very strict about enforcing all of that. Uh, Excellent. I, I was actually noticing some people were not following, but they were enforcing it. Uh, that would be um, a little bit of a problem, I, yeah. I think. Well, whatever for a selfie. So that's... <laughs> this is true. Uh and, you know, I mean, all these different islands we went to, uh, oh, Detail, Detail Island. Oh, yeah. was the, that was the uh, one that you were trying to remember yeah. the name of the island. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another uh, incredibly amazing place is this place called La Mer Channel. And uh, Attenborough has done documentaries. I remember his, his views of that uh, going through there. It's a tiny little channel. And on my first expedition, actually, which was in December, this one was January. <laughs> In December, the, uh, our uh, cruise director had al uh, already told us that, hey, there's a chance we may not be able to go through because it could be iced over. Uh, so if it is all ice, our ship will not be able to go through it. And it's a matter of luck if we be able to go or not. And, and you guys were able to. And apparently. we were able to go at that time, and we were able to go a second time. Um, you know, I, I was able you, to go a second time. I want to ask you a quick question, because obviously you're not working with an ice-breaking ship. You're not working, you know, it, I, I'm assuming that it's double-hulled just Yeah, yeah, so they do have some, now I don't know the details of that, honestly, but uh, they do have some uh, ice, uh, like uh, ice protection, mm -hmm. let me put it that way. Uh, but it's not those kinds of icebreakers that you see in the Arctic, uh, you know, those those ships. And you're not having an icebreaker go in front of you to break no, up stuff. No, it's no, no. Like the, if it's open, it's open. So, but if it's not, it's not. No, no. But you you do bring up another point that uh, they planned this trip in such a way that we would not see a, another ship for the whole journey, for okay. the whole trip. Uh, that they want us to be alone. They want. You know, it's only us and no one else. Now, yes, there are other ships that are also doing this. So lots of companies that go down there. Uh, but they're all in communication with each other. Uh, and they decide that, okay, today you're going to go here. Tomorrow I will go there. Things like that. So they make sure that, you know, two of, two of these cruise ships will never see each other. Can I ask you a quick question about communication really quick? Because mm -hmm. obviously I would imagine you don't exactly have cell towers down in that area. So No, but they, they, have, they have radio communication. They have, uh, they're very able to keep it in touch with each other. Like, and the ships are pretty close by. Like you're not, you know, transmitting the signal like long distance. So did you have internet yeah. access while you were on board the ship? Yes, there was. Okay. No, I mean, I did not. I did not get it, but yes. But it they had it available for the for people for who wanted it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's expensive, and you really why do you want to be on the internet when you're in Antarctica? You know. 
Well, in the evenings. And my friend, you pay $20,000 for a cruise. I think, you know, if you wanted internet. All the more reason to save on every little thing. Oh, stop. Come on. (laughs) But I mean, that's the beauty of going on a cruise like this. It actually does force you to interact with people that maybe you haven't interacted with before. Talk to new new and interesting individuals. Build lifelong relationships and friends. And and I have many of those friends from both of my trips that I've that I've visited since then. You know, I've gone to places where they live around the world, mm. uh, and I visited with them. So it's been an amazing, and it's been like exactly like you said, like like some of them I consider lifelong friends. Yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, some of them will watch this and critique me later. Saying, well, let, hey, you got that wrong. <laughs> well, let let them know. We'll definitely bring this up. Awesome. Any uh, other any other thoughts on the itinerary before I move on? Uh, no, I mean, the, we don't have to go through the details, but it gives you an idea of you know the kinds of things we see there, the kind of places we go, uh, what it's like, things like that. Right. So wonderful. All right. So let me go back. I'm going to yeah go back to my thing here really quick. All right. So now, um, just so just so my students have a little bit of an idea, what exactly were what was your room like? Was it like a standard kind of hotel room? Was it yes. small, tiny? Like it was double occupancy? Like, uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, like any other ship, they have all different types, and I had booked a single for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also, if you're a single person traveling, you can also book a double share with someone of the same sex. Okay. And um, uh, or they have triples, so they have single, t- double, triples. Okay. Uh, and triple is basically one bunk bed that you drop down from the wall, okay. and two regular beds on the ground. You know, and uh, single this, beds. Was it an inside cabin? Was it an ocean? Uh, mine was an inside cabin. They do have uh, cabins on the side of the ship, facing the. You know, they have windows and stuff uh, on the ocean. I don't know. If uh, they wanted they to also them. have they also have a couple of balcony cabins, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, but that would be really seriously cold, and I imagine your ability to re- your ability to open those windows would be very restricted. Uh, yeah. So uh, the first trip, uh, I actually had one of those. Like it, it was a porthole. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to remember if I could actually open it. Uh, I don't think I could. For the ocean view? Uh, yeah. No, but I mean it was a glass window, so I could see outside, but yeah. I couldn't actually open the window. Okay. Uh, and on the second trip, I chose an inside one because I get seasick, so I wanted a like in the center of the ship. That makes more sense. Um, yeah, um, I totally understand that. Uh, let me ask you about the excursions, though, because okay, you're getting off at these various different spots in mm-hmm. in and around Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Was it something that you had to pre-plan excursions ahead of time with the with with Quark? Did they have like a track A and a track B people could choose from? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were split up into four groups of fifty each. Okay. And uh, like I said earlier, there were two hundred people, two hundred passengers on board the ship, and uh, they split us up into four groups. And every morning we had so that each day, uh, basically the days that we had landings, they were, they, they, those were not the at sea days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd get a wake up call at whatever time in the morning, six, seven o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. Uh, go for breakfast. Uh, immediately after breakfast, we would. Uh, in our groups, you know, A, B, C, D, uh, we would split off, and two of the groups with 100 people each would go 
on the land. Uh, have the land excursion along with the guides for one hour, two hours, you know, depending on their schedule. Okay, so that's not too uh, bad. Yeah. And then the other group of 100 would go on Zodiac cruise around the island, right? Or around wherever the guides take us to. Okay. Uh, and then after that one hour is over, then we sw swap places and, you know, the people that were on the Zodiac cruise come on the land, we go on the water, uh, we go around the Zodiacs, uh, we see whatever marine life there is, uh, and icebergs, plenty of icebergs all over, um, beautiful <laughs> formations and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we come back to the ship. Now, by the time we get back to the ship, it's lunchtime. So we have lunch. Mm -hmm. It's usually a buffet lunch. Yes. Uh, so it's quick. Uh, while we are eating lunch, the ship repositions to our next landing spot. Okay. Uh, and then it's the same thing repeated in the afternoon, evening excursion, afternoon excursion. Okay. So they actually uh, have a morning series of excursions and then they have an evening version of excursions. Right. Now that's interesting. That's a little different than some of the some of the other cruise lines that I've worked with previously. Yeah, because because there are multiple ships that want to make the same landing, right? and you don't. And be, again, obviously, because of the time of year, you don't have to worry about the sun going down. Yeah, yeah. So that's. Uh, in, but but honestly, we were we were always back at a reasonable time of the day, uh, and we were never out too late. Now, on the first trip, they had an option for camping and things. So people went camping. Uh, you know. I, uh, Different subject, but uh, <laughs> uh, Happy and, in Antarctica. You know, that might be a little cold. Uh, so, you know, we uh, we got back from the second excursion, had dinner, and there would usually be some kind of program uh, after dinner, like a, a movie or a lecture. We'd have a like a debriefing at the end of the day, like what we saw, what we did, what we did right, what we did wrong. Uh, uh, we used to have like trivia games, like. I guess the normal cruise ship stuff, though there's uh, yeah. any cruises, but <laughs> other cruises. Uh, and same thing repeated next day. They, you know, they would brief us about what we're going to do the next day. What other things to watch out for? You know, don't go here. The, watch out for the fur seals. You know, don't touch the penguins. You, you, you. I saw you touching these penguins over there. Don't do that again. <laughs> you know? Please uh, don't. Please don't touch the wildlife. <laughs> uh, so stuff like that. You know, and uh, the bar would be open, of course. <laughs> Got to stay warm somehow. Yeah. Uh, and the decks, the sh the decks on the ship are always open twenty four hours. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, I want to ask you. It, it was in general on on most ships they they usually have a designated area for people who are smokers. Do they have something similar yeah. to that? Oh, okay, I yes, wasn't absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, and actually, I. I don't think I ever even saw any smokers on board. None of us were. I don't think so. Maybe there were. But, <laughs> there were. They had to be out outside, and it's like, wow, it could be really yeah. cold on the outside. Yeah. So <laughs> just be careful. Yeah. Okay. So then after the 17 days, then you make your mm -hmm. way back up to um, Ushuaia. Ushuaia. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then from there on to Buenos Aires. What was the disembarkation process like? How easy was it? Uh, relatively straightforward. Okay. Um, actually, no. I want to mention one more point uh, sure. that I did not. I wasn't aware of. I'm sorry. Uh, going back to the trip itself. Sure. Uh, so every day before we get out of the ship and after we come back onto the ship, they used to have a biological uh, hose down. Um, uh, so we used to have to clean our boots. Like they had a you know pan of uh, kind of soap water with okay. some chemicals in there. So we had to step in there. You know that would disinfect everything, and then we could go onto the land. And coming back, same thing. You know, step on that. If we had any kind of feathers or anything that had to be taken out, yeah. You no, know, we we're not allowed to 
bring anything back from there, not allowed to put anything over there, you know. They're very, very strict about that. Um, so I like that about this company, and I guess all companies do the same. Um, but yeah, so disembarkation, we actually had to do that again. Like uh, at, on the last day, they had us, uh, you know, all bring bring our, uh, uh, the parkas, the jackets, sweaters, gloves, everything that we've been putting on top, you know, on the top layer. Um, and they go through it, you know, they, they see if there's any kind of seeds, if there's any kind of, you know. Wow, dirt. it's really, uh, they scrutinize you a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have to clean all of that up. Um, uh, and then, you know, you're checked off the list, you're fine, uh, you go back and... Disembarkation is simple. You just get off the ship. In the end, you know, finally, when it's time to do that, you just go. Um, and you pay, you know, obviously you settle any uh, uh, bills and whatever you have. Sure. expenses, Gratuities and things like that, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, makes sense. Uh, now, I mentioned a post office. <laughs> yes. Talk to me about the, the um, furthest southern post office in the world. Uh, there's a, a British uh, uh, outpost called... Uh, uh, Port Lockroy. Port Lockroy. And, and it's also a Gentoo penguin colony. And okay. uh, they have a post office and a shop. Hmm. Uh, so at a shop, I actually bought like an Antarctica sweatshirt. Okay, well, there you go. There's uh, your souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all those proceeds go to the you know museum and everything, you know, all the charities that they fund. See, that's great. Um, I like that. Yeah. Um, and you can... Now, you can buy a postage stamp that says Antarctica on it. You can have a, the postage, the stamp, you know, on your postcard or whatever, stamped with Antarctica, Port Lock or Antarctica, nice. and you can mail it home. Now, how do you think it's going to get mailed home, right? <laughs> there's no there's no mail carriers over there. So <laughs> Our ship, I imagine, is the one that's going to bring it back up there. <laughs> so You know, I actually, uh, I actually did something very similar. When I was in – I actually – Many years ago, I took a cruise in Hawaii, and I'm not sure if you're familiar, but with cruises, they have a maritime law where you have to go to a foreign port. Mm -hmm. So because I was traveling within the Hawaiian Islands, we had to find a foreign port, and we went 1,500 nautical miles south to a place called Fanning Island, which is the very top part of the Republic of Kiribati. And so hmm. we went there to drop off supplies and that was our foreign port. Yeah, they do a lot of that. They do a yeah. lot of that. They do trash cleanups uh, for the ships. Yeah. They do uh, water drop-offs in different bases and things like that. Um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of you know cargo that is going back and forth also on the same cruise ships. Well, and then for there, obviously, Falkland Islands is you know a British colony as well. So yeah, you know you have yeah. that too. So mm -hmm. very cool, awesome. So how long again did it take you to get back? Uh, it's the same process in reverse. So we got off the ship. Uh, they had a bus waiting for us. They actually took us around a little bit in uh, southern Patagonia. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, as like a half a day tour kind of in the bus tour. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of decompressing and, and, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then straight to the airport and you fly from Ushuaia to Buenos Aires on a chartered plane. Uh, but chartered plane, but it's a, you know, like a kind of a 727, 737 kind of a jet. Uh, oh, so it's, not, so it's not like a prop plane or anything uh, like no, that? No, no, no. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> um and then from Ushuaia, you have your onward flight, which you have booked yourself, uh, you know, your original round trip. So uh, that, uh, so their dropping off point is uh, back to Buenos Aires, and then you're on your own, basically. You so can either stay there, you can go somewhere else if you want, you can, 
you know, do whatever you feel like after that and okay. fly back home. Perfect. Um, awesome. Well, let me ask you this really quick. Um, what If you had to speak to one of my students, and this is going to be their first time, and they want to go on a similar type of venture, what are the pros, what are the advantages of going on a trip like this? Uh, let me answer that from, if I may, from a different point of view. Um, uh, what do your prospective travelers want to do, right? Uh, like to do, like to see. So if it is wildlife, if it is, wildlife is number one, by the way. If it is nature scenery, uh, these two things are the pros of Antarctica. Uh, there are a lot of things that are not so pleasant when you go there. For example, the cold weather, the winds. Uh, if you have a medical situation and you need evacuation, that is a very bad you know, situation that you would be in. Uh, uh, so you genuinely, it has to come from within you, not what, I'm sorry, but not watching something like this. It has to be, you know, uh, like your genuine desire, not to mention the amount of money that you're spending to go on a trip like this. Yeah, it is an investment. So, this is like yeah. buying a new car. You have to be yeah. prepared for Almost, Yeah, it really does cost that much too. And there's a lot of planning uh, that goes into this in advance. Right, what to right. pack, so how to pack. It has to come from inside of you that, yes, I am desperate to go to Antarctica. I need to go to Antarctica. You know, um, but but I promise you the experience will be worth it. I've been twice. I can't wait to go back again. Wow. Uh, I, I'm just in love with that place. It is so beautiful. Uh, you never know what you're going to see because you're out in nature. You, you never know the behavior of all these animals and the birds. The penguins are extremely funny to watch them. Uh, uh, just the way they interact with each other. It's it's nothing like you've seen on, um, you know, March of the Penguins. <laughs> uh, I mean, part of it is there, but... No uh, happy feet? That's it's not similar? Okay, got it. Uh, I mean, some of it is there, but it, it's just, you never know what you're going to see. And uh, just recently, I was, a couple of days ago, I, I, I showed you that photo earlier uh, uh, about... Uh, Sorry, I didn't show you the photo, but I, I wrote an essay about it that, uh, uh, you know, uh, it came across this uh, gentoo penguin colony, mm -hmm. and there are these two penguins out there. Uh, it was a very hot day. Uh, it was above freezing. That's what I mean by very hot. And the penguins must have been miserable. They must have felt miserable because they're not built for that. Uh, but they're still going about their daily lives. You know, there's there was a male penguin, a female penguin. The male wanted to approach the female. Uh, the female kept slapping him away with his slipper. <laughs> Um, and the male wanted to just like, stop, keep, keep going and wanted to kind of hold hands like hold flippers. <laughs> um, and the female wouldn't have it. So she just kept flapping him away and he just kept going. It's more like no more means in. no. <laughs> and, and it, it was just like all of us were standing over there and we were like hysterical, you know, we're just laughing like anything. This was on the first trip, not on this second trip. Um, and it, it was like, you never know what you're going to see there. You know, I've seen YouTube videos of uh, another penguin who was being chased by an orca. Oh, yeah. And, that can and, be serious. And the penguin basically jumped onto the Zodiac boat and just stood in the Zodiac. And people are <laughs> seeing this, you know, there are people videotaping on their phones this orca trying to eat this penguin and the penguin just jumps onto the boat. <laughs> it, 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 it's resourceful. I'll grant you that. Um, it's just incredible. The wildlife, the whales, the birds, the albatross, all these colonies that you see there. Uh, and that elusive, and, and to have ice. that 
like checkmark on the elusive seventh continent that no yeah. nobody on the on this planet has. Yeah, that that would be the lowest priority in my opinion. Well, true, but <laughs> um, uh, it's just an incredible, incredible, life changing experience. I, I can't wait to go back. Excellent. Now, in terms of things to be aware of, you brought up a lot of them. Obviously, limited resources to work with, uh, the cost of something like this, um, you know, hospitalization or the emergencies, what happens in those types of situations. So being prepared and planning for any possible any possible situation or talking with someone like yourself who's been, you know, that gives them, gives people a better idea as to if I'm, if I'm looking to go on a trip like this, especially with someone like you, because you've traveled there, not just once, but twice now. And so you've experienced, yeah, exactly. So you've had, you've had to see a couple of different situations that have occurred, you know, obviously don't get disappointed if you're not able to meet a certain port, you know, that just comes with understanding, you know, stuff is going to happen, whether it's, Mm-hmm. Uh, emergencies, whether it's uh, weather situations, yeah. whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it sounds like they try to accommodate in, in getting you out and they plan the trips around a certain time of year. So mm-hmm. that way you have the ability to visit and, and go in certain places. Right. And there, there's always a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, you know, uh, there's a backup plan, backup to backup and all of this in case the first plan doesn't work. Uh, they have it all in their agenda, right? Like we can go to these, any number of these islands today and we have a, our preferences, but if you cannot do that, we'll go somewhere else. It's fine. Yeah. And then in terms of value adds, cost savings and best practices, um, would you recommend booking through a travel agent? Would you recommend going and booking directly through Quark or a different you uh, know, line? So I personally book directly through Quark. Okay. Uh, and that gave me a, a pretty big a discount on the second trip like it oh, nice. basically made it affordable for me to go on the second trip so i basically got like almost uh, 40 45 percent off on the second oh, time wow that's a huge um, savings yeah uh, because i was a repeat customer and because they had a sale at the same time going on and a lot of different reasons uh, so uh you know i I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know uh, whether it's better to go directly through the company or through a travel agent who may have like their own deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely research it because we are talking about a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you should research it. You can call up, uh, whether it's Quark or whether it's any of the other companies that, that offer this. Uh, and there are many. Um, you can call up their sales agent and talk to them on the phone and say, hey, I'm planning this. What do you what do you offer? What do you recommend? Things like that. Uh, they know their place the best. How helpful uh, would you say that or how knowledgeable oh, for me, they are? For me, very knowledgeable. And not just that, but they remembered me the second time, which I was shocked. <laughs> Uh, there were a few guides uh, that I had like a repeat on the second trip, yeah. um, and they actually remembered me. Now I don't know how many people they see every year, right? And well, a couple hundred per trip. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a couple of thousand like you do on a conventional cruise. Well, route. even then, like they, they're always on the whole trip every season, right? From mm. our summer over here in the northern hemisphere. Sorry, our winter in the northern hemisphere. Their summer. Um, uh, so. I was shocked that you know more than one of them actually remembered my name, uh, the fact that individual experiences that we had shared, uh, you know, on the previous trip. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, these well, are Dave, wonderful. All the guides over there, I, I just cannot praise them enough. I've actually had an experience similar to that when we were on a 
we were on a cruise of the Baltics a few years ago and we just met like a, a host as we were going into a, 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 a dining, a main dining hall. And, you know, he met us and that was, that was it. And, you know, on a ship like that, that's like the, the specific ship I was on was one of the largest that princess has. Mm-hmm. It was called the Regal princess. And it's about, it's over somewhere between 4,000 and 5,000 passengers. It's huge. And so we went back, I want to say about three days later and he remembered us on site. He was like, Oh my gosh, how was your dinner the other night? Did you guys have a great time? What about the wine I recommended? What did you think mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do <laughs> yeah. you remember? Yeah, exactly. And I'm told that they have very specific customer service training that involves, mm. you know, working with, you know, picking up on certain people's behaviors, understanding, you know, memories and, and, and working with people. So if people say something, it's kind of like, that's, that's kind of a trigger for you to be able to remember that. So I think it's fantastic that their customer service works in such a way that it's a really, it creates a really good memorable experience, a positive experience mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great work. Well, Ishan, this is our first time together. I definitely want to talk with you again. You have tons of things to share, and I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much for sharing with me and my students. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And then, again, for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please feel free to email me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, click the bell icon right above us here in order to be notified about when new videos come out. If you haven't already please hit the subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything and it certainly helps out the channel. And then finally, if you like the content of this and you want to see more of it, hit that like button in order to be able for us to get you more of that same thing. If you are, however, listening on a podcast, please feel free to rate us. I really appreciate that. And until next time, make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.